Well, you had a different flavor. You didn't have a classic. No, I don't like classic at all. Never have. Oh well, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. My my pasty opinion is not going to have much weight. I'll I'll give you that. (laughs) Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA, with your host Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath. Dustin Lindstrom and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode seven of season four of the Chasing McNoggin podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. Uh, this week, we reached out to Tim Rapley on some short notice from Flow Hockey to give us some insight on Bowling Green. And talk about the CCHA in general and how the thing, season's going so far. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Hey, glad to be here. I, I appreciate all, all the work you guys do. Well, thanks. Uh, somebody's better appreciate all the work we do around here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've, uh, had, you've had some hot issues uh, this month. Yeah, we certainly have. I don't know if we need to rehash them again, but thanks. Oh. <laughs> uh so we'll probably talk about the the St. Lawrence series. I was lucky enough to be up there to watch some good hockey this weekend. Uh, preview the Bowling Green series. Talk about uh, just tech hockey in general. We're recording on Sunday night, so we don't have Joe Show comments to talk about. But we'll we'll just see uh, what we all have to talk about, and maybe this week we won't go you know two hours long. So anything you guys want to touch on that I didn't bring up? No, that covers it pretty well. I think we need a review of your pasty at some point. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> I already finished my half. We can see if my daughter liked it. She's got the other half upstairs. But uh, all right, let's do the thing. You, you know, Roy's. Roy's. Yeah, always a good choice. Yeah, uh, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor. From we'll be back to talk to Tim Rapp. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E Dental.com. All right, welcome back. Uh, Tim, how exactly did you get into covering the CCHA on Flow? You know, uh, I found myself uh, in the Midwest here in Traverse City, Michigan. And uh, I had a friend who used to work for Flow. And then when I heard they got the rights to the WCHA, which became the CCHA, you know, I just kept throwing my hat in the ring. And um, they finally, after a couple of years, said, hey, why don't you do that? start writing you know once they got the wcha rights 
and uh, since um, Ferris State is barely an hour down the road for me, that's sort of my home base. And I go up to Lake State and watch games and try and develop relationships up there. And um, it's kind of a fun league. You know, when I first started covering it, I called it the uh, the Isle of Misfit Toys. <laughs> you know, you had the two Alaska teams that were always on the verge of disbanding, and then you had Alabama Huntsville, and it's like everybody who needed a league was coming to the WCHA and Bill Robertson was kind enough to take on all comers. And it, it's kind of fun, you know, um, you got a funny little rink down in big rapids and you've got uh, seven national championship banners uh, over the Mackinac bridge. And uh, you know, I'm a hockey junkie from the East coast and this is kind of new territory. It's all fun. So if you're from the East coast, how'd you end up in Traverse city? Ah, Boy meets girl. I was having a long distance relationship. <laughs> uh, Traverse City's not a bad place to end up. That's for sure. I've been that we or, Dustin and I went there for a wedding. What was that now? Ten years long, ago? long time ago. Oh, Traverse yeah, City it, was Traverse City like a long time ago. It's become Traffic City and soon to be Tragic City um, <laughs> because of the influx. It's still a growing city, and you know the. The town is getting torn up by 18 wheelers that's carrying concrete everywhere. It's kind of sad <laughs> to see, see it yeah. happen. But uh, if it you go five miles the, in any direction, that's beautiful. It does have the Torch Lake that isn't a super fun site that always gets confused. So, you know, we, we've got our own Torch Lake back in the Keweenaw. It, it's not quite as pretty as the, as the Caribbean-style Torch Lake over there. Yeah, that's the good Torch Lake. Right? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a lot of good golf. Yes, all all around here. Yeah, Northern Michigan's incredible. I, I, I had no idea it even existed, other than I, I played some college hockey at Ferris State against Ferris State, and I didn't know you know there was anything north of it. I know, hey, there's Grand Rapids, then there's Big Rapids. What kind of rapids follow after that? I, I, I didn't want to cross that Christopher Columbus line, you know. <laughs> a statement like Northern Michigan is incredible, taking on a context on this podcast isn't going to get you a lot of friends, though. <laughs> uh, not to college, though. I, I do think it's, yeah, it, it's we, a pretty cool school. Well, definitely, we definitely won't cut that up and put it out as an Instagram reel. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for saving my bacon. Yeah. Well, that was sarcasm, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so you've been covering them for a while. What, uh, what have you thought of the league so far this year? Uh, pretty solid. I was really hoping Lake state would be the real deal. You know, Damon Witten is a great, um, promoter, right. Of mm -hmm. his team, you know, he, he has a 500 record and it makes you think that, you know, they are the best thing since sliced bread and he's got some really interesting players, but they just, they just don't haven't been producing, you know. Um, I I thought they would be swell, and they're not so swell. Um, <laughs> rest of the league, you know, there's there's a lot of middle of the road. It's kind of Minnesota State and everybody else, but but you feel for them. Um, kind of, um, they're very interesting to me because of Joe and what, what Joe does on those Monday shows and and his comments, everything really close art and. And Dirk Hembroff is the best play-by-play -play guy. So, you know, I convinced my wife to watch the games with me because they're very entertaining. And you got a great crowd up there. And the commissioner was there. I don't know if you saw Don Lucia was in the building um, yeah. on, I think, Saturday. And uh, and he says, hey, 
you got to get uh, University of Minnesota to come up there. He said, yeah, I left that out of my notes uh, this week. But, um, yeah, I, I, I drink the, the tech Kool-Aid, um, you know, uh, mostly because of Joe, who, who's a character like I've never seen before, you know. <laughs> Have you gotten That's... to attend a game in Houghton yet? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I stand down by the uh, Zamboni doors and I get all my scoops down there. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. They ask me, what the hell am I doing? I show them some little bogus credential and then they start talking to me and it's pretty good. Yeah, we, uh, Brandon, our publisher, used to work at the paint store up there and we always joked that like our, like back in the day on USCHO, if we had a inside thing, he would say, heard in the paint store because Jamie Russell would come in and buy paint way back in the day and <laughs> we'd get some inside scoops that way because Brandon would be the one making the paint for him. But yeah, there's there's lots of that going on and a lot of people that'll talk your ear off for hockey up there. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty pure though. It's great, you know. Yep, three banners hanging from the stands. Yeah, they actually had to make a new banner this year, guys. I don't know if you noticed that, but the uh, uh, the NCA oh. appearance banner ran out of space, so they had to get a second one. Uh, I haven't been back home for a game yet. We'll be back up and not next weekend, but the weekend after for the games. So okay. I haven't been in Houghton since 2019. So yeah, I, I need to get up there at some point. <laughs> no. No, it was nice to get up there this weekend. Saw some good hockey. It's not really what I expected after what Mike McMahon had to say, but at the same time, like it was kind of a tale of St. Lawrence kind of dominated that first. 12-ish minutes of the game, I would say. And then all of a sudden, it felt like bus legs just set in and they just lost all their energy. And it was kind of over other than Tech taking some time to score. And and then once they got a couple goals, it was, it was kind of over. And then they finally got some power play chances in the third period and just kind of took over the game at that point with, uh, what was it? I said, I think I said in our Slack chat that that new power play unit they put together for this week, the second unit didn't even get on the ice till the third power play because they scored on the first huh? two shifts of the first two power plays. <laughs> so now, let me jump in, here for, jump in here for a sec. Joe says he's got, he coaches one of the units and he's got an assistant coach coaching the other unit. Yeah. I don't know who's coaching which unit. And uh, I've never heard of that before. Of- yeah, he's done that for a while. That that, that wasn't the case. That was the case with the uh, previous assistants as well, uh, I believe. Okay. So that that's not that's not new a new technique, Joe. From as far as I know. Yeah. No, I think it's kind. Of, I think it probably adds a little level of fun competition for them because it's not just group of players versus group of players. You can add that element of it's my unit versus your unit with the coaches too, and kind of a little fun added dimension of you know some gamesmanship of trying to see who's got the better power play unit and i don't know which one was coached by which group i didn't get a chance to listen to any of joe's comments post game because i was dealing with some of the hundred year jerseys trying to get them distributed and just getting uh, out the door and didn't have timing of it and i never got a chance to see if they got posted by uh cal or not but i'd, I'd have to think that it adds an extra little wrinkle when having to prepare for, for like opponents preparing for tech too right like yeah you got two potentially completely different looks on the two power plays and 
uh, I hadn't I hadn't really thought of it from that standpoint before, but it's um it's it's an interesting strategy. I kind of like it. Yeah. No, it was it was honestly impressive how how good that first power play unit did, and it was even what what surprised me most when I first noticed was like because it took so long to have a power play. Uh, like I think what was it? the first two goals I actually missed, like because the first goal happened while somebody was coming to get a jersey, and then the second goal happened. Um, I had uh, I think we went to the store to buy something and we didn't quite get back and settled in our seats before the because the second goal was so fast. I think at the start of the second, was it? I don't even remember the timing, but I just wasn't ready for it. And I was like, oh, great, I missed both goals and maybe that's it today. And then they score what four more and I got to see all of them. And you know, they made Sports <laughs> Center and everything like it was, it was a fun yes. game. So, um, but like because the power play happened and I noticed and everything, like the first thing I do when I see a power play for tech specifically is I go look, okay, who's out there to try and see what they're trying to do. And I was like, wait, Kyle Kukinen's not on the top power play unit and just kind of surprised me. Um, but I can't complain. It worked really well with uh, was it Kadaroth, Rasmussen. I can't remember who the other forward was. And then Soretsky, I think, was the quarterback with uh, the Crespi, I think, was the other D. I can't remember who the other forward was. But, yeah, it was it was really good and um, lots of good motion and and taking the shot when it was given and, and all that stuff. So. Somebody else Not only that, they talk. were they were yeah. <laughs> they were they were controlling in the zone too. They weren't they weren't rushing shots. They they were <laughs> they were getting uh, getting the puck and controlling it as they came through. So they had multiple multiple chances uh, and multiple good looks on the power play. It wasn't just a rush and you know get one shot and then have to work your way back in. There was good good long stretches of puck possession in the zone. So it was, it was good to see. It worked out pretty well. I think, I mean, obviously it worked out well, right? There are several goals, but not only that, they were just dominating the possession side of things too, which yeah, you don't I, always see that. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what analytics with Augie is going to be like this week, because for my eye test was that I thought that tech was kind of playing on par with SLU for the first, like, Two periods of that game, like everything was just locked down in the third. They only had one shot after that, but I kind of felt like the play, the flow was kind of more or less even. It was just Tech was getting the bounces. So I'm interested to see what the analytics have to say about that because I am not sure how accurate my is on, I is on that one. Well, and it's true too because what what was it Friday night? Tech had as many shots and more shots in the third period than they had in the first two combined. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we were killing penalties. We had, they had two penalties in each, the first and second, and then the third period was pretty much one long power play. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. Slu had uh, what? I think five penalties. I think so. So went from went from having to be on the PK a lot in the first and second, and being close in shots and being over them in shots in the second to you know, like Matt said, a single shot in the third. So yeah. anytime you hold somebody to a single shot. You know, it's a good thing, but you know, you're spending almost 10 minutes or so ish of that time on the power play. So that takes a, a good chunk of the chances that they would have out by that. 
Yeah, I'll have to talk to Augie because I think it'd be interesting to see like the shot charts and the XG for the just the first two periods. Like I, you do got to put the whole thing on there to get the entire picture. But I'm just kind of interested to see how accurate I am in thinking that it was more or less evenly played with just Tech getting the bounces in the first couple periods. So, well, even feels- though you know we did, oh, go ahead, Dustin. I've been talking. Gonna, you can have, have a swing. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I, I feel like we we might feel a little silly after what we talked about last week. We we all were pretty fatalistic about Tech's chances this past weekend, and, not, and they go out <laughs> and they sweep the weekend with two shutouts. Well, um, some of it was just hearing Mike talk about speed from St. Lawrence, and I right. didn't see a lot of that after the first fifteen minutes of the game. It seemed like. They were just tired after that. Like it, like, and you could tell because tech was like the, oh, I guess maybe it was longer than that, but like by the third period, they were exhausted because they're the ones taking the penalties and, and doing the lazy things that get you in trouble. But yeah, like that was the biggest thing for me. And, the, you know, basically to him, it was they're fast and they got a good goalie if he shows up. Well, he didn't. And then I remember how upset the backup goalie was on the one goal he allowed on, I think 15 shots or something. It was. Yeah. Like he was yeah, like Boisvert demoralized on that one goal. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised Boisvert didn't get the start in the next game. Cause I thought he just looked so great in the second half of that game, especially when tech was carrying possession that entire third period and not really giving him a second off. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised they decided to not roll with him the second night. I mean, obviously it, it I mean, I guess it didn't work, but <laughs> things went a little bit better for their squad on the second night. Yeah. Oh, was Ashbrook was the other forward on the power play. So, find that there. But yeah, the yeah, I don't know what the shot well, looks like here. I mean, kind of moving the conversation along, and so so far so good in non-conference. I mean, one yeah. loss to Ferris non-conference but conference doesn't hurt the conference as a whole right so that's that part's looking pretty good and i thought the conference as a whole showed up pretty well this weekend in non-conference yeah it was good any of the other scores bemidji getting a win against st cloud is pretty big okay yeah Yeah. um lake state took one from clarkson also huge we had to talk about this in the discord where it was a pretty good weekend for the conference and on that front tech taking two from slu is huge for out of conference and Bowling Green picked up a point from Mankato and made them look more or less beatable. Like they're not just a, uh, the the ultimate juggernaut that got here. Like make no mistake about it. Like they're Minnesota State until somebody knocks them down. But it was it's 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 kind of interesting how the league is starting to shape up to be a dogfight so far. Like Tim, we were making fun of you last week in the chat. There's our there our Bemidji fan that hangs out in there was like Tim's finally, you know, sold the team on Lake State <laughs> after these past couple of weeks. But um how how are you seeing the the conference move around? How, what do you make of the dogfight we're seeing right now? Who do you think's gonna start emerging? Who do you think is gonna start sinking? Well, I have some analytics for you regarding Minnesota State, and it came up in the broadcast uh, the the stream yesterday, is that um in over half their periods, they've held the opposition to five shots or less. So they're still Jeez. dominating. And Bowling Green, you know, 
through grit and pluck and any other cliches you want to say, hung around, right? And uh, here's an interesting thing about Minnesota State. I'm digressing a little bit, but, you know, this guy, Connor Grega, took a lousy penalty at the end of the uh, first game, and it cost him a point in the standings. And he may never get into a, another uniform again. Uh, the kid they put in, uh, Isley, um, scored his first goal um, in his place. And it's, it's really um, it's a war every week in Mankato to get into a uniform and to have crossed Mike Hastings. And he was getting tired of, you know, um, bad penalties at important times of the game. Um, Pavel had taken a couple uh, in the last uh, two series. And they're not going to bench him, but they certainly are going to bench Grega and they put another kid in. So they um, their formula is pretty good. They just uh, have to figure out the goaltending. I mean, you know, they could have swept St. Cloud, but they were swept by St. Cloud. They were either tied or leading in the third period of, of both those losses. So, um, you know, I'm going to borrow my boss's line, you know, that uh, Dryden McKay doesn't work here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, other thoughts on the league? Um, let's go around the circuit. St. Thomas, uh, the reason I wasn't couldn't contribute to your conversation about what happened in Houghton is because I was kind of curious if Rico Blasi was going to pick up a win or two uh, down in Big Rapids against Ferris. And uh, they looked super solid on Saturday and um, uh, could have won the other game. You know, they went into overtime uh, on Friday. So um, beware St. Thomas. Um, it was Joe Sean that told me uh, he'd been, uh, didn't tell me, he told his listeners on Mondays um, that he's been studying the roster and he's seeing all the transfers coming back to the Twin Cities and that, you know, they're tough, good, good players. Um, they've recruited well and that uh, they're a much different team than last year. And they were a tough out last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, Joe said he wouldn't be surprised if they got home ice. So who are they going to be beating out for a, for a top four spot, you know? Um, yeah, so maybe it is things. for anybody. Yeah, I know he does, but <laughs> <laughs> he's persuasive. Yes, but, you know, what always surprised me, and we talked about this a lot, last year or, or even into the lead up to last season was that I thought St. Thomas came in at the perfect time to kind of do what they did this off season, last off season where they would bring in, they could have basically set up their roster and brought in five seniors and five juniors and five sophomores and five freshmen and just like filled their whole roster with like transfers. And I was kind of surprised they didn't, take advantage of that more with when they were starting their program. It just, it seemed kind of surprising to me that they didn't do that. And now they've done more of it this year. And maybe some of it was scholarship limitations that were put on Rico the first year. I We don't know that stuff and you don't get that information. And maybe that was part of the problem was you. it's a lot harder to convince those kids to transfer for nothing or nearly nothing. And we don't know what kind of numbers they were given last year to work with and we don't know what they got this year but it's obvious that it's it's working a little better there so yeah and and rico had to have come into it playing the long game for sure right they know that there's the time period that they aren't even going to be eligible for the ncaa tournament even if they brought in an all-star roster they're not making the tournament true so the and 
he's got job security because of that, right? It, there's no pressure on him to go and try to be in the tournament in three years, right? Right. He's he's got he's got some time. He knows that. So I think in hindsight, it does make sense for him to kind of play the slow game a little bit, take a year, make sure he knows what he's got, and really try to understand the best that he's able to where he needs to improve the team and what type of players he needs. And uh, I think in, in the long run, it's probably a smart way to build a team that the way he's going about it. Yeah. No, it made sense. Um, I just pulled up the interconference record so far this year. So the CCHA Oof. has the fourth best interconference record, which Wait isn't that surprising. Out of six. You mean out of conference uh, like success? The the in interconference, like the CCHA versus everybody else. So they they're they're fourth out of six conferences. Right, fourth place. Yep. They're ahead of the, yeah. the ECAC and Atlantic Hockey, but they haven't played Hockey East at all. The whole reason the CCHA is so low is because they're three ten and two against the NCHC and two and eight against the Big Ten. Yeah, because they're playing all these Minnesota. Because that's schools. who they play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's always it like it's good to look at and see. You know, they're better than the ECAC right now. Um, that was based on um, picking up five wins on Saturday. Yeah. Going into this weekend, they were trailing the ECAC. Right. Yeah, I believe that. Well, yeah. sweeping them, that helps too. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting to look at that. And I know one of the things that we've always talked about is wishing that the CCHA could play more Eastern teams because we think it would be better for them because it's the NCHC and the, the big 10 can be very tough outs with the number of games you get. And, and both those conferences, a lot of times tend to force the CCHA to play on the road and we're working on not doing that as much and and i really do love joe's insistence on this clarkson st lawrence lake state deal to rotate and play them regularly it's it's fun i'm i've actually already trying to convince my girlfriend to go out to upstate new york next year to go watch them play yeah that's a that's a trip i want to take next year for sure too so Especially when we yeah, get Saint, to Saint Lawrence, is, Saint Lawrence is a trip, um, meaning you go through their uh, lobby and see the people that have played there. You know, from yeah. you know Jacques Martin to Bill Torrey, um, Wayne Gretzky's agent was there. Mike Barnett, um, uh, Mike Keenan was there. It's just an amazing <laughs> uh, history. It's it's almost like a dream of, of all these. You know, unconnected great names in in hockey have all been there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of those areas that you don't go to unless you mean to go there too. I guess I feel kind of like Houghton, right? You're not going to pass through Canton and Potsdam, right? So it's the kind of place I want to want to make make sure we get there while we have a reason to. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not it's yeah much like Houghton. It's not on the way to anything. You go there with a purpose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was telling her, I think the closest airport, the closest big airports like Montreal or Ottawa or something. And she was like, What? I'm like, Yeah, it's it's up there. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's, it's just the other side of the St. Lawrence River from yeah, French Canada. Maybe I can get go for a couple extra days and get a day of musky fishing in on the St. Lawrence River. <laughs> be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Ottawa is the closest one. You're right, Tim. Yeah. And I think the team usually flies into, or they flew into Syracuse last year, I, I think. Yeah, Ooh, Syracuse that's is a long is, drive. It's yeah. still a long drive up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, what are your thoughts on, on Bowling Green? Okay. Um, Bowling Green have two really good uh, transfer defensemen. Uh, the kid from Merrimack and the kid from Duluth. Uh, Vanell, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Um and they're solid. I think they're four and five year players, right? Um, and and they uh, they get used together a lot. So when uh, push comes to shove, they've got real solid defensemen there, and that that's helped um, Ty Eigner quite a bit. Uh, do you guys remember um, Nelson Emerson, the all time leading scorer at Bowling Green? Um, and he played for the St. Louis Blues. Real good player, right? His son um, Quinn Emerson. Is um, uh, scored a great goal uh, shorthanded against uh, the Mavs. That was his first NCAA goal, and um, I don't know if he's going to be a real factor, but over the years he will. He was he was the fastest guy on the ice on the, on that shorthanded goal uh, last yesterday. Um, but when they need offense and they need grit, it's really Austin Swankler and his Minnesota line mate. Uh, what's his name? Burke. Yeah, um, they are. Big time players. Oh, have I lost you guys? Oh, I'm low on a battery. Okay. Oh, we got you. You're, <laughs> you're going to see me walk around my house, try not to step on my dogs. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Yes, I do have a charger somewhere. Bad preparation on my part. Um, but those guys are those guys are nails, um, especially uh, Swankler. I think he could be playing pro hockey right now. As you know, there's a lot of 23 year olds and college hockey that could be playing some form of pro hockey, but um, he could probably be playing in the AHL, I think, and certainly for the coast right now. Um, yeah. He's one of the few guys that was allowed to play, uh, come into the NHL via um, Canadian major juniors, the OHL. He came from, uh, yeah. Uh, he wrote a petition and the NCAA was not paying attention and he ends up in the NCAA coming straight from the OHL. And uh, he plays like a gritty Ontario kid, you know? And um, so uh, keep that guy in mind. Um, uh, he, if you're going to lose, he's going to be all over the score sheet. Uh, okay. Austin Swankler. Um, uh, you know, I've got a couple of interesting things like, um, Rob Blake's kid is also at at Bowling Green, but I don't think he he's going to dress for both games. But Jack Blake is there, okay. and the reason they've got Emerson and Blake is because Ty Eigner uh, played at Bowling Green with both both of those guys, um, and so he's sort of, for lack of a better word, babysitting his uh, his teammates' kids who want to <laughs> play college hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I was wondering how they were kind of becoming like the Toronto Blue Jays of college hockey, where if there was someone who was a good pro, chances are their sons at Bowling Green for some reason. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, some of that. Um, so they're, you know, I, I think their goaltending is uh, a little better than average. I've seen, seen, um, I saw them get torched by Western Michigan. And it was pretty embarrassing. They gave up, I think, nine goals on home ice to a team I thought they were going to split with. Like, whoa, there might be problems in paradise. Then they had to buy. And then lo and behold, they, uh, you know, they took Mankato to the limit this weekend. You know, they were leading in the set, most of the second period um, of game two after going to overtime in game one. But the analytics were bad. You know, the Corsi rating, all that stuff, the shots attempted were overwhelming in favor, favor of Minnesota State. But, you know, um, I'm not sure why Minnesota State uh, allowed it to be so tight. You know, maybe they've got some confidence issues. I don't know. Who knows? Not not having Dryden McKay back there. So yeah, it makes you wonder if if the McKay factor really is that that big of a deal, right? You know, they've had that guy rock solid for them for a few years, and now he's not there. What what happens, right? Yeah, and that you know they only had a game and a half experience between the three goalie candidates going into this year. Yeah, I mean, um, you have to remember too that. Like what they got? What 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 was Stauber's first name? Jackson. Oh right, Jackson Stauber Jackson. commit, and then he realized he wasn't going to get to play much till McKay was gone, and then you had the COVID year. So, like he he left. I mean, if if they had him, they'd probably be just fine. But you don't have when you have a goalie that's that much a number one. It's always going to be a little bit of a process afterwards to to figure it out just because you don't have anybody that's seasoned at all right is this where we start talking about max vernon <laughs> sure he looks pretty good <laughs> yeah he, he looks yeah the one chance he got i don't know if he's gonna get more joe seems to like to ride pietla but uh yeah you've got a you've got your future's in good shape if you can keep him on campus right you're right Max. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that was cool to, to, and then Blake, I mean, what, two more shout outs to extend his, his record already for, for Michigan Tech anyway. And we, we all know he's not touching Dryden McKay's record, but, um, and I know somebody made some comment about how good Tech has looked overall in Blake too. And it's like, yeah, but is he really going to, you know, get a shutout every other game. I don't know. Maybe that'd be cool. We'll see. Tech very much seems to be a a young team that's going to be exciting in a couple years. But how this year shakes out is still a little on shaky ground because there are some exciting things that are happening at Tech, like seeing Max Vernon look very comfortable in that. Kyle Kukinen's shaping up to be like a certified <laughs> stud. But yes. how much does that all shake out in year one with a little bit of a with, with with our with our older end not being relied upon as much for the production? Well, and then I mean, we we'll have we have to wait and see about the uh, the injured Finn, but Topi Heiskanen's been pretty darn good too so far. I mean, he's already playing a ton of power play minutes. I didn't get a chance to look at penalty kill but i'm sure he's been out there for that as a defenseman um it's just uh, like the the recruiting class has really stepped up so far i mean 
Josh Rasmussen's on the top power play now. Um, He's a household name in Bristol, Connecticut, ESPN. Yeah. Number, yeah. number eight, <laughs> place of the week. That, the funniest yeah. thing to me was the tech does a hit save and goal of the game. And, and that, that wasn't, wasn't it. That wasn't the goal of the game. I, like, yeah, did that you was... Guys... <laughs> I was like that. Gonna be furious. Yeah, I was, like, I, was <laughs> I was upset about that too because I even tweeted about this. That goal was so nasty. I stopped functioning <laughs> properly as a person for a little. I bit. I was like, were they, did they <laughs> did they struggle to like yeah. find the video like the right angle to to show how good it was? But I'm like, but you found it in time to get it on Sports Center. So why wasn't it for the game? Like it was funny. I was like, because I built it already with the other goal in there. They said, no, I don't feel like rebuilding this thing. That's quite possible. That's funny. That's that's a great tidbit. I wish I had that because I, I wrote I wrote an item on, <laughs> on how it got onto Sports Center and the fact that it didn't make the holiday in triple. Yeah, the um <laughs> and then last night's goal of the game was the first one because it was the only one scored by the time they had announced goal of the game. <laughs> and then I laughed. Friday night's hit of the game was a penalty. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's kind of tough to get um, a hit of the game when you got the puck the whole time. Yeah. You know, um, I've stopped watching the NHL until April. Uh, (laughs) Regular season games just too much, take too much of my time and barely keep track of the standings. I just, I've got my own little. Isle of Misfit Toys that I like to pay attention <laughs> to, you know? Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice little group. And then um, uh, I, I find myself rooting against Michigan based on, on the Mel years. And the fact <laughs> that they went in and swept uh, Western, a really good Western team, it's like, you know, hats off to those guys. They, they've got a lot. Yeah, they got that was – being able to go into Lawson and win at any time is just impressive. So I mean, you got to give it to them. I hope they're they're culturally turning themselves around for the sake of the sport, but I find it tough this year for them as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you know, I'm still sore about the Great Lakes Invitational and what they did on that. You know, I think in the long term they're going to lose out on that with how. Seriously, uh, Western and Ferris appear to be taking their involvement. It's not too tough to get state fans in from anywhere, and I think their their programs on currently on the upswing. But um, like Dustin said, the uh, the threshold for success is going to be lower at Van Andel, and with all these schools having like big alumni bases around Grand Rapids and like getting their alumni involved and going, I think that. You know, there is definitely in a first year, I think there's reason to be skeptical about the move, but I think in the long term, it's going to breathe some life in the tournament. And if Michigan doesn't come back, I think they're going to be the big loser in the whole thing. I think Michigan's um, mindset is that we're going to keep sending a half dozen kids to the world juniors every year. And we're tired of fighting with one hand tied behind our back sort of thing. And, but I think Van Andel's a, a good size venue. And I, I've, been to the GLI at, uh, with a lot of empty seats in Detroit, you know, and uh, I, th- I think uh, Van Andel might be the right size for that. Maybe that's maybe that's the ideal home, you know. 
just sent it over to Tim so Tim can share and we can we can go now well, with maybe, it. That way Tim doesn't have to try. think too hard with it. <laughs> Let me. I sent you the no goalie one first. Yep. And I just happened with the three forwards to pick a centerman in the center to start with. So I got lucky. Got lucky, huh? I have no idea if these guys actually play because much like Tim, I don't watch the uh, NHL at all. So that's, that's why we that, that's why we got Rob because he's I'm not going like, to be able to I'm guess at all. But yeah, let I me just see. care about college hockey myself. So or tech alums, <laughs> I don't watch past that. <laughs> I watch so much dumb hockey. I'm in the quarter season ticket holder for the Wings, so I keep a decent eye on the NHL. I'm obviously very involved with this. There's. German hockey on at like two o'clock while I'm doing work for some background. It's just, I don't know. It's all the time for me. All right. Let's give this a try. You guys see that? Yes. So we've got Harvard and Duluth on the wings, Vermont at center, St. Cloud and Notre Dame on defense. Is this Pittsburgh? (sighs) I have a guess. It is not. It is not. It's freaking. Is it New York Rangers with Jimmy Vesey up there? It's not the Rangers. My guess is the L.A. Kings. If it was the nope. L.A. Kings, he would have put Michigan Tech on there. Yeah, that's, that's, that would have been why, a giveaway, yeah. though. That's why, no, that's why nobody. That's why we don't do the L.A. Kings on this because we know who it's going to be. <laughs> we know that one. I'm trying to think where there's a bulldog. Yeah. Was Teddy Drury's kid, um, who's playing for Carolina, is uh, is he a Harvard kid? Is this uh, Carolina? It's not. It is not Carolina. Nope. We're closer geographically than we've been in some of the other guesses, though. Vermont. I'm trying Tampa to think Bay. of Vermont players. Tampa Bay. Right? Tampa? It is. It is Tampa Bay. It's the Lightning. Okay. We've got, uh, who's, who's our goalie? Let's see the goalie one. Uh, I didn't send that one to Tim yet, but I can. <laughs> oh, okay, well, who was the? You don't need to do that then. Who? Where's the goalie? Oh, no, the back? I can send it. That well, one. Who's Tampa's backup goalie then? <laughs> yeah, that would be the bigger question on that. That was a tough one. Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, he's a Badger. It's Elliot. Yeah, it's Elliot. Hmm. He's still in the league. He <laughs> apparently is, according to that sheet. <laughs> All right. So, so who are the other five players? So the other five players we've got are uh, the defense is uh, Nick Perbix from St. Cloud State okay, and Ian Cole from Notre Dame. Okay. And the three forwards are Ross Colton, Alex Killorn, and uh, oh, it's the one I'm missing. Ross, Ross, Ross Colton. No, Alex Kilborn and uh, Cole Kepke. Okay. Uh, from Duluth. Yeah, that was a tough one. What else do we want to talk about, guys? You want to talk about James James McNaughton, the the guy who the cup is named after? I I have the mining cabin. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I saw a documentary and read a small book based on the documentaries. Not such a good guy. It's, if you're no, if you're sensitive I, to I the, got the book. cause of labor. <laughs> I actually yeah. just went. Uh, my girlfriend and I were up in Houghton this weekend, and we actually stopped at the Italian Hall Memorial uh. in Calumet on the Saturday on our way back from the Fitzgerald. Yeah, um, pretty tragic. Yeah. Can't even imagine, like, there was one family that lost, like, three kids that were 10, uh, 8, and 7 in that 
tragic event. And I was explaining to her the whole, like, the, you know, don't yell fire in a crowded hall. And I was like, you know where that comes from? It comes from up here. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's terribly tragic, but it's, it was, it's really interesting history. And I took some pictures of the, of the memorial and everything there, right? And it's a, what, a block and a half, I think, from like the Calumet Theater. Um, yeah, that's not too far. It's right in the downtown, downtown cool. area of Calumet. Very tragic events, and yeah, not a not a great guy. Like I was wearing my McNa- yeah. chasing McNaughton sweatshirt as I'm explaining it and being like, "Yeah," and the guy who named this cup's named after was kind of the <laughs> the reason that that likely happened. So he certainly. Which book were you? Which book were you reading about the history of? You know, it's written written by a woman. Um, who's famous for her um, historic uh, fiction. And um, she uh, painted a pretty terrible uh, depiction of old James McNaughton, how he treated his servants and and, uh, bringing in uh, the union busters and people picking fights. And I guess, I mean, that's, classic early 20th century united states but you know yeah yeah i was about to say anybody from that period of american history that's got enough money laying around to just make a 45 pound trophy of pure silver (laughs) probably (laughs) probably got it through some questionable means (laughs) yeah there there was there were robber barons back then yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the memorial starts off by saying that this the the events at the italian hall happened after the workers had been in strike for five months yep yeah it was a long strike and, and it kind of killed quite a few of the copper mines up here uh, and that's one of the big reasons why you know a lot of them didn't come back after that first decline of the copper mining industry up here yeah, yeah. yeah there's a there's a bunch of good books that you can pick up on larry langton has a couple of really good ones he's a professor at tech i don't know if you, any of you guys had classes with him or not i did uh, but he, he he's got a bunch of good nonfiction around it yeah, I've got the Hollowed Ground by Langton. That one's really good. But there's another one that's more specifically of, that I don't remember the name of it that he wrote that is more specifically about like the the labor unions and relationship with the companies. Um, more so than Hollowed Ground is more technical about the actual mining itself. Mm-hmm. Come back. I should buy more now. So are are you guys nocturnal creatures? Because I get up oh, yeah. early in the morning, so I'm <laughs> almost past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah, no, we, yeah. we definitely are. <laughs> we definitely are. Yeah. Do we got any other topics? We have anything to talk about? We wrap her up. No, I'm... Uh, I've got to do some shameless plugs for for oh, books. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Yeah, that's that's okay. part of the part of coming on. Plugs are welcome. Tell us <laughs> yeah. about your your what did what is the title of your book again? Well, it's um. It's the women's miracle of 1998, a miracle of their own. Okay. I wrote it with uh, Keith Keith Gave, the Red Wings writer who wrote the oh, Russian that's two Five. Weeks in a, that's two weeks in a row that I've bought a book off of our podcast thing because the Russian Five came a couple of days ago after Matt mentioned it. So that's the book I'm reading right now. <laughs> oh, that's pretty solid, Russian Five. It's it's quite remarkable Keith's involvement in that story. So um, it's the 25th anniversary of the first uh, women's Olympic gold medal. So um, we went really deep into both the Canadian and the U.S. Uh, teams. And um, uh, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, it might be the best thing I've ever written uh, 
Keith says it's the best he's, he's ever written, even though he'll never be forgotten about the Russian five. It's just too incredible <laughs> a story. Yeah, this um, Thursday, I've got tickets for the Wings game where they're going to be celebrating the uh, anniversary of the 97 Cup. So let's. That's right. Uh, yeah, that'll be an exciting game to be in the building for. It's always fun when you can see Konstantinov again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Keith wrote a sequel to Russian Five um, called Vladi the Impaler. And um, he was feeling um, not pressure, but people were trying to raise money for, for Vladi because. Um, Michigan was in danger or they changed their insurance laws. So uh, Vladi wasn't getting or was threatened with not getting as much help, though I think they might grandfather, they might have a grandfather clause to allow him to still get the same treatment. But um, Keith said, hey, I can collect all the things I didn't put in the Russian Five and make another book out of it, and which he did on short notice. And so um, uh he and Vladi have a pretty good relationship, all the Russian players and, and Keith do. So uh, that book might be on sale when you come down to Detroit. Uh, so here I am hawking uh, Keith's book. Yeah. Um, there is a, um, a history of hockey guy at up in Houghton who taught at the school. Might Is it yep. Sprawl? Bill Sprawl? Yeah, Dr. Sprawl. Dr. Sprawl. He and I uh, exchanged books. Uh, I gave him my... Uh, Hobie Baker book. I wrote a book on Hobie Baker, really examining his life and uh, how he died and uh, what was going on with him in World War One. France. He uh, crashed his plane with orders to go home in his pocket two weeks after the armistice. And everyone's saying, what the heck was he thinking? He turned his crazy spod plane back toward the field. And so there's been a hundred years of speculation. I went into the Princeton Library and uh, uh, got all his letters from France and really tried to analyze what was going on uh, in Hobie Baker's head. So that's a pretty good book, um, Hobie Baker upon further review. So for people who aren't hooked on women's hockey um, and like history, like you guys, mm -hmm. uh, you might enjoy that one, the Hobie Baker book that's on Amazon. So those are my shameless plugs. And you got one more too? Jack Parker's well, Wise Guys? Well, I wrote guys? something called jack parker's wise guys but that's I, I that was published by university press of new england that was okay. then uh bought out by um university press of uh university of chicago press and so they they run out of copies and there's not enough uh, will on anybody's part to uh reprint them so you can only get them off amazon and the price is going up pretty high and uh <laughs> I was at the Red Wings uh, prospects camp and sold my last few copies of Jack Parker's Wise Guys. Okay. So in, it's a really entertaining book, but you might have to ask someone who's got one. I know uh, uh, Hembroth has one. Okay. Sure, can you borrow from him? So if you're not up up there much, you can't really borrow from him. So <laughs> um, it's a fun book. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if I have another one in me, but um, I used to do research for NBC and um, and work in production covering women's hockey for four different uh, women's Olympics. Um, so I had I was just the partner Keith gave needed to do this project. So yeah. it worked out pretty well. Nice. I got I got both of them on the way. I figure I need something to read. So. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't, I dropped, I don't mind suggestions for hockey I, books. <laughs> I dropped the ball in my reading. I read a ton over the summer and then just like stopped. So I need to get back into it. So a couple of good starting points there. I appreciate that, Tim. Okay. Okay. All right, gents. I'm going to uh, shut her down. I might give the dogs one last trip outside and then uh, <laughs> call it a day. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate yeah. you coming yeah. on. Short North Lake Tim yeah. said it's good to, good to chat with you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for, for joining us. Yep. Nice to meet you. It's going to be nasty and tough too. You know, every inch of ice is going to be hard earned and stuff like that. So, how do you um, think the series is going to go before you like get all the way off? It'll be a split, probably, right? Probably. Does that sound okay? I mean, don't don't most of them turn out to be splits? If it's a sweep. It's a, uh, it's a pretty extreme <laughs> uh, spin of the roulette wheel. Yeah. Um, you guys yeah. sweeping Alaska on the road? Those are big stinking results. You know. Because Alaska is going to win a lot of games, and that's going to help your uh, your computer ranking. Um, Northern had their hands full with Alaska, so to go yeah. up there on the road, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't ask for a better non-conference start. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now we get yeah. uh, we get league games now all the way through till till GLI. So actually, sweeping a Wisconsin team that had just come from the NCAA tournament uh, on the road. I think is a better start than this. <laughs> I think that got you into the NCAA tournament, sweeping Wisconsin to start off the year last year. I, I was there at that game, those games. It was pretty amazing. I made mean, only one period of those because I was. I also had tickets. All, I, I live. I live in Wisconsin now myself. So every time we get to Madison, I make sure I get down there. I'm in just south of Green Bay, so I, those oh, are nice. those are my most common game to go to besides games back at home and open. And uh, it's it's always a joy to to walk out of the Cole Center after a good pair of results. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Tech traveled really well to that series, and they were really happy outside the Cold Center. Um, is Tony Granado going to keep his job forever? What's the deal? I have no I, idea. I have no idea how he still has a job. To be honest, for how much? Yeah. How much he's getting paid and how yeah. little the results have been for so many years. You can't rebuild that long at a Big Ten school. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. How how t- how tough is it to sell Madison? How tough is yeah. it to sell that building? There's no excuse for it at this point. Those facilities, that history, everything, you know. That history, yeah. the t- the town of Madison itself, just being a riot to go to. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the they uh this year, from what I understand, they're not selling the the top tier of the Cole Center as an option. You can't go up top. Uh, they've they've actually closed it down. You can't get up to the third tier. Which sucks. That's where I like to watch the game. You can see up nice and high. It's the perfect spot to watch. We usually get front yeah. row seats in the third tier. Yeah, it looks but real nice for you, but does look real nice on camera. Well, yeah, I don't care about that. It's not what I care about. <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah, what the school cares about. Yeah. It's been so bad attendance that yeah, they they've they they're gonna shutter that top uh that top tier when the hockey team plays. Well what, I mean look at the Creech creatures. They've only had like they used to be three full tiers worth of, of students there back when we were in school, right, Tim, when they were yep. in titles. Yeah. You know, it was an intimidating as hell place to go. And now it's eight, ten rows of, of, of kids, and that's all they've got from the student base there because they've just not been good. It's what? rough. Yeah, sure. I guess I guess the question is, I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out if they have to, but it is kind of surprising that uh an athletic director that cut bait on uh Paul Chris so fast hasn't done anything with Granado. Like it is kind of odd. And maybe it's I, I think maybe it the actual fall this year. Two but... sports. 
there's two sports yeah. that get cared about on campus, right? Uh-huh. It's basketball and it's football, just like most yeah. of the big schools, right? Yeah. Those are your two sports you, you care the about. Revenues. Yeah. yeah. But they're, right. but right. they're, I mean, aren't they the highest paid staff in college hockey? I believe so. Last I look, yeah. So they are. They at least were when they penny. signed those contracts. I don't know if they stayed that way. The only but... thing I could think of is if Mopsco's gotten the extension at Minnesota, maybe they're more. Yeah, that could be. Maybe could something be. like that, but. All right, let's let this man off the hook for this yeah. Midwestern yeah, buy-in. Hey, I, I enjoyed you. that. I was curious yeah. about Wisco. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, black, we'll blacking out the uh, upper deck. That's a good tidbit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to run with that. I, yeah. I'm a good thief. On that's that's my understanding. <laughs> I, I, I'd ask somebody else first, but uh, that's my okay. understanding. <laughs> oh, hey, um, speaking of Wisconsin, the, sports, the hockey sports information director, Justin, I can't remember his last name, is writing a book on – the 1991 Northern Michigan BU final. Ooh, oh, okay. well, that'd be Classic interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be coming out eventually, but uh, uh, I set him up too. with Jack Parker. He just got, he spoke to Jack Parker last week. So Parker's a, a good storyteller. Those good Irish Bostonians that <laughs> can, can, can carry a book, baby. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Hey, enjoy uh, speaking to like-minded hockey, college yeah. hockey souls. You guys are terrific. I look yeah. forward to crossing paths down the road. Keep up the great work, guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Okay. See you guys. Bye. 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 Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at livoniatech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A tech dot net. We fund everything a tech hockey guide from listeners like you. You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access or commercial free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Do we have more to talk about when he's, when he's dropped off or not? I don't, do we? I don't no, know. I, I think don't we really think so. We can probably call it. Be good. Pull up the outro. I mean, I haven't showered after playing a broomball game. I would really love to go do that. I'm stewing here. <laughs> being, hey, being able to call it after like an hour and twenty is very good for us. We didn't. Oh, nice you got to tell us about your pasty first. Oh, right, right. So yeah, uh, can't can't leave it off that. But I'm gonna. Uh, Dustin always said that's your favorite one at Roy's, isn't it? That's my favorite one at Roy's. Yep. Yeah. So I had never actually had one, partially because I don't think I realized that the ch on the wrapper meant it was that one. I thought it was a <laughs> cheese something or something, which it is cheese, but. Well, you had a different flavor. You didn't have a classic. No, I don't like classic at all. Never have. Oh well, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. My my pasty opinion is not going to have much weight. I'll I'll give you that. 
I was about to, <laughs> I heard that as I walked away. And if I'm the one that's going to get constantly toasted for my ice cold opinions, I'm not letting that one slide. Hey, I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> they are bad. I'm saying they're not for me. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I completely understand why people like them. They are just not for me. And I think, honestly, I think it's because a traditional pasty is basically like and potatoes, like a, a pot roast, right? Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, especially gravy on it, like you should. And, and my father basically only ate meat and potatoes, so I got sick of it. Sure. <laughs> I never got sick of steak or chicken or turkey, but I got sick of meat and potatoes stuff so i don't care for them so anyway today for the first time ever uh, so the yesterday morning i bought six more pasties i love the turkey one because it's basically thanksgiving dinner in a pasty and then i bought uh two more of the chicken um broccoli ones and uh all from roy's and uh I, I have some other chicken and broccoli ones in the freezer, but my freezer broke at one point, so I didn't want the first one I tried to be one that may not be good anymore because of that. Um, so I wanted to, uh, basically, I came home today, turned the oven on, and put one of those in, and it was good, and my daughter liked it too. So that was, that was a hit. Very good pasty. While we go around, does anybody actually want to predict this weekend? Not sure I mean, I'm going to go around with the same thing that uh, that was predicted earlier. A split, a split, a split. Well, here, okay. One other thing that I wanted to say that I find interesting is, uh, let me see if I still have last year's up. Yeah, so I know it's only been seven games, and it's going to be hard to maintain. But. Michigan Tech currently has three guys scoring a point a game or better, three more guys scoring uh, 0.7 points a game, and last year they had only three guys total scoring over 0.7 points a game. So the offense, granted, some of that's some some big games, but it's nice to see like the that it that right now it looks like it's not just one line. You know, you've got five different forwards scoring. They got at least five points through seven games. Uh, you've got what? One, two, three, four, five, six, six different players with multiple goals already. Like it's like the, I know this team's going to have weekends where it's like last weekend where we're a little frustrated with how it goes, but it also totally feels like the team that there are going to be weekends that we are surprised that they that they went into some weekend they shouldn't have and came out with six points. It's going to be impossible to be anywhere close on predictions this year. It is. Because it's, 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 it's a, a very Jekyll and Hyde team. Oh, yes. Yeah. You it is exactly what it is for, going to, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> it is for that reason that I think if we had Jekyll this weekend, we're getting Hyde next one. So I think, yeah. it, <laughs> I think we are getting swept by Bowling Green. And a rare break of character for me, and being overly positive, I think we're getting swept by Bowling Green. I don't think there's going to be like a huge, like handy sweep where it's very clear that Bowling Green's a better team. But I think there is something to be said for playing in that building. As much as we might not might like to say it, it's probably the most comparable atmosphere in the league to the MAC. 
So it's it's tough to go in there and play. It's a young learning team. It's a long road trip. I think we don't take a point out of there, or if we do, it's in overtime. I don't know. I got to pick a split at least. And I just think... So the, the other thing that I perceived from this weekend was the the part of the young team that I noticed on Saturday night was I didn't feel St. Lawrence was as fast as they were to start Friday night, but it certainly felt like the way Tech played to start Saturday night was that they kind of expected to show up and get another win. Like they were not hustling as much as they were Friday night at the end as they were like the, the beginning of Saturday night felt like a team that expected to win, not a team that was showing that they were going to earn a win. And, and I have a feeling that that's that maybe this weekend helped them realize they can't because they had to work so hard at the end there to, 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 to get that goal and stretch that game out at the very end. Uh, but I also think this is one of those weekends where you look at Bowling Green's record and they might think that they're going to be able to walk in there and do something and, and they don't. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose Friday and win Saturday, but who knows? Hard to predict. I'm going to say two ties. <laughs> <laughs> who gets the extra league point in both games Friday night they get it and Saturday night we do Okay. alright Rob full, full on split oh I just hope they don't go to shootouts <laughs> <laughs> and if we have three on three hockey where it's not that crappy try to play possession and pass the puck around for seven hours type stuff. If it's a back and forth, like it was uh, last weekend, was it where it was good three on three? That was actually entertaining. I didn't mind that. I wouldn't be so sad, but yeah, I don't think we, we go to OT. I think it's just a good old fashioned split. One team wins one night, one team wins the next night. I'll go with, we win the first night. Anything else? I think we're good. <laughs> the huh? wheels fall off. <laughs> the wheels fall off. Yeah. <laughs> think we're good to go one minute remaining in the podcast well that should do it for this week of the chasing mcnaughton podcast please check out our patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide uh we got a new patron this week in i think it was new or at least he switched from monthly to annual in uh is it tim is it katula kudula i think katula is how you say that one i don't i don't know for sure though so <laughs> but anyway, thanks for shining up and uh, and uh, signing up for a year already. That's great. Uh, I think you did at the black level, if I remember correctly. But uh, patrons at our white level or above get access to our Zoom chats featuring guys like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, Cam Ellsworth. We should probably try and do one with Joe here soon. That would probably be a lot of fun, huh? Yeah, I think so. Uh, patrons at the black level or above receive access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the gold level or above receive access to unfiltered YouTube video of our podcast each week. And if you're feeling extra generous, patrons at, I think it's the silver level, uh, which I think we have two of, get unedited audio, like the morning after or night of recording, uh, 
Follow us on Twitter at Chasing Mac Pod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. I didn't see any today, but we didn't ask till I got home from Houghton, so I'm not surprised. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast in your site of choice, please let us know. We'll make it happen. Apparently, Perry listened to the end of the podcast because he asked me what my podcast site of choice was for his because I said something about it not being on there. Uh, so that was nice to know. Uh, the more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends and drop us a rating. If you give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, Dustin will read the review on the podcasts. So if maybe if you're a Bemidji fan and you want to leave one and have us talk up how awesome Saratori is and and how terrible Harrison is at predicting, go right ahead. I will I will happily say good things about Mr. Saratori. Yeah. Uh once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental and Rhinelander. I finally got to meet Mr. Fibke here this weekend. I should say Dr. Fibke, I suppose, huh? And they're in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Finally, thanks to the Thank You Notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. You've been listening to the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.